Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Come Over for Dinner. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Today, I have two very special guests, Lisa Just and Lindsay Doolin. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thanks. Lisa works for Community Christian Ministries. She is an administrative coordinator and publisher, mostly uh, from the author Jim Wilson. It's a great, great ministry. Lots of great material. Definitely check them out. Lindsay Doolin, she, I receive emails from her every day from the church. (laughs) She keeps everyone organized and coordinated. She is the administrative secretary of Christ Church. So we are going to delve in lots of, into lots of fun topics and especially Indian cuisine, which we have never talked about before on this podcast. So I am really excited. We had a ladies homemaking fair this, a few months ago and were you, y'all were both there. Yeah, we were, yeah. We were running both the, running the, the table. Indian food booth. Yes. Yeah. I was the understudy, though. That's Lisa's. <laughs> Lisa's forte. Yes. And so I was just fascinated by the authentic Indian food, and there's just so much to learn about it. So first of all, how did you learn how to make authentic Indian food? Uh, well, I grew up eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, Indian cuisine was my dad's favorite his favorite food in the whole world was sog paneer, which is um, an Indian cheese in a spinach sauce. So I think we started eating Indian food as a family probably when I was like seven or eight. Um, and then my mom started cooking it a couple of years after that. So I just grew I just grew up eating it. Was there a restaurant in your town that you ate at? Um, like how, how were you first introduced to it or your dad? Like, where did he even find this You cheese? know, I'm not sure, but he did a lot of traveling for work, so he had to eat out at restaurants a lot, and I think that's probably where he discovered Indian food because mm-hmm. he certainly didn't eat it growing up. He grew up in a little, a little teeny farming town in Minnesota. Um, we would eat out at Indian restaurants whenever, whenever we were traveling, if that was an option, that's where we ate. Uh-huh. Um, it was, it was everybody's favorite. Um, oh, that's fun. and when we lived in St. Louis, there was a really, really good Indian restaurant called the India palace restaurant. Um, and my dad would take me there for a date once a month to the, to the Indian buffet on Saturdays. And that was still the best Indian food. I've ever had. It's like the the gold standard. And this um, is in St. Louis. This, this is in St. Louis. I have no idea if it's still there because this was back in the nineties. Uh-huh. So who, oh. who knows if it still exists or is any good anymore. So yeah, when I learned how to cook, I just, you know, I learned to cook the things that my mom would make like sag paneer and butter chicken. Um, and she had this cookbook, Madhur Joffrey's An Invitation to Indian Cooking. That was the one that she used. So I started cooking out of that um, as soon as I was busy teaching myself how to cook. So, And I love this cover because it is definitely from the 90s. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, this is before cookbooks. You had to really be into cooking because, you know, this is before cookbooks had a picture on every page. Yeah. There, picture. there are no photos in there mm-hmm. at all, but it is still, that's a it's, good it looks basic like, introduction mm-hmm. to what, what classic Indian food is. It looks very detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I was in college, I discovered this 660 curries by Raghavan Ayer. Um, and just started cooking my way through that. And that was my introduction to Southern Indian cuisine, which is a whole, it's a whole different set of flavors. Is it Southern India? Southern India. 
Yes. So flavors like curry leaves, tamarind, coconut milk, things you don't find in Northern Indian cooking and that people might not even know is part of Indian cuisine. Really? Mm -hmm. So out of 660, how far have you made it? (laughs) Not not far enough. I found so many recipes in there that I really like um, that I forgot to keep trying my way through it. And so when Lindsay and I were, when Lindsay and I were doing that table (laughs) at the homemaking fair, I was like, man, there are so many recipes in here that I haven't tried yet. I need to get back to trying them. Because you're repeating the favorite. Yeah. There's a very narrow slice, at least in mine, where the book just falls open because it's the, yeah, the poultry curries that I always go to. Yeah. So, Lindsay, did you cook Indian before meeting Lisa? Or, or I did not. Indian no. And I'm sure I had tasted it somewhere, but Lisa remembers the story of a of a dinner that she made and a dish that I really liked. And I don't remember this at all, but that um, was how I was introduced to it. Yeah. So I was doing a dinner um, with my friend Noai at her parents' house. Uh, I forget what the occasion was, but we invited a few friends and Noah and I both like to try really different foods. So we got ourselves some fresh bitter melon from the farmer's market. Bitter melon, it looks like it looks like a little cucumber that's super nubbly and shiny. It looks sort of like an alien vegetable. Um, <laughs> did you buy it just having no idea what to do with it? Or did you know it was an Indian cooking? I knew it was an Indian thing. I knew what it was. I just never had it before. So we're like, well, let's try a bitter melon curry at this dinner that we're having. And Lindsay was one of the guests and she was one of the only two people there who liked the bitter melon. (laughs) 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 No, Noah's dad also enjoyed it because he grew up in Liberia and apparently there's a vegetable there that's really bitter. And the bitter melon reminded him of that food from his childhood. Um. <laughs> so everyone else's plate like, stayed full. Uh, well, I think we ate it. It just it's not our favorite thing. It's very, very bitter. It's it's an acquired so taste. I think so. So interesting. But that that was Lindsay's introduction to Indian food. Um, she asked me what it was and where I got the recipe, and I told her it's from six hundred and sixty curries, which I now refer to as the Bible. The Bible of Indian cooking. (laughs) Yes. Is and I'm guessing it has six hundred and sixty recipes in there. Or maybe more. It has six hundred (laughs) and (laughs) sixty. Yeah. Any pictures for those of us who love uh, pictures? Yeah, there's, there's some. A, there's a picture section. But detail, I mean, it is yeah. thick, guys. It is it thick. Is. It says the Gateway to Indian Cooking, 660 Curries by R-A-G-H-A-V-A-N-I-Y-E-R. Yeah, it's Raghavan Ayer. Okay. And it is, unfortunately, it's currently out of print except in Kindle. So you can get a Kindle version. Um, I wouldn't recommend a Kindle cookbook in general, but this is my favorite cookbook. It's one it's, it's the one I use the most. So if I didn't if used, I didn't have a copy, I'd get the Kindle for sure. Could you find it's, it on eBay or used bookstores? For like five hundred bucks. I actually I checked today. I did see some on Abe Books for like sixty five to ninety. So I think okay. you can find it in a reasonable ish price range, but probably like a. Ask for it for Christmas kind of, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I'm hoping that the publisher will put it back in print because it's apparently in demand. Apparently if people are putting it at that high. Yeah. But you can get it on Kindle. 
So what is one of your favorite menus to serve out of this book? What does your page fall open to? <laughs> um, well, you know, that's kind of tricky because up until a couple years ago when Lindsay and I started doing Indian dinners together, um, I when I would have people over for dinner, I wasn't really cooking Indian food. I was eating Indian food on my own all the time and I was feeding everybody else, you know, American food. <laughs> Spaghetti and meatballs. Spaghetti and meatballs. Are but really then good. rumors started yes. going around that you were an Indian, like really great at Indian. And so they're probably disappointed if they came over and didn't get to try your Indian. Well, yeah, there's, there's so much more Indian food in my life since we did the homemaking fair. <laughs> I think there are also a list of people at this point. They're like, we yeah, really yeah. want to try this. You, you're <laughs> on that list. Yeah, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I've been begging her for a while to come tell us all about Indian food on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so the recipes that this falls open to and like say a sample menu that I would do for having people over are completely different. Um, which one do you want to hear about? Maybe what a listener could serve to, okay. to a, a, like what could they recreate that would be doable to a group of people, like their own families, maybe guests as well. Okay. Um, well, I would do like, I have like a couple different menus that I was thinking of, um, that you could try. Uh, one is a kind of Northern Indian flavors and the other is Southern Indian. Um, so for the Northern Indian flavors, there's a lamb curry in here. I'm not going to try to pronounce the Hindi name of it, <laughs> but it's in 660 curries. Um, and I'll give you, I'll give you all these recipes. Okay. Um, so it's a lamb in a sweet onion tomato sauce. It's probably kind of what people would think of when they're thinking of an Indian curry. Cause mm -hmm. it's, it's a red curry sauce and it's pretty simple to make. It doesn't have any ingredients that would be really hard to find. And then I would do sog, which is just the Hindi word for greens. Um, and the recipe I've got is collard greens or spinach um, with onions and sultanas. And it's also pretty basic and it goes really well with the lamb. What, real quick, what is sultanas? Those are golden raisins. Okay. Yeah. And then... Perfumed rice, which is a basic basmati rice, but done the Indian way. So you soak the rice to help the grains stay separate and fluffy. And then you put some spices in with the rice while they're cooking. And this one has bay leaves and cardamom pods in it. Um, and it just, it just perfumes the rice, gives it a nice little flavor. Both of, both the lamb and the rice have whole spices in them, which is a very normal thing for Indian cooking. But if you're serving it to people who aren't used to that, you, you're going to have to tell them, hey, you will find whole cardamom pods yeah. in your lamb curry. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> so, experience. Just just look out for those because if you bite into one, you're going to be like, what yeah. have I just eaten? So do you, like, in Indian culture, do they just eat it or do they no, like, no, pick no. it? They you just pick it out. You just put it on the out. side of your plate. Okay. So yeah. And yeah, the rice, the rice will have those in it too. And the bay leaves. And you just, you just put them on the side of your plate as you come across no them in your deal. food. Kind yeah. It's, yeah. It's no big deal. Otherwise it's like biting a Hall's cough drop with a menthol in it with the cardamom. <laughs> well, you just get a big it's not that bad. menthol. You can <laughs> I think it's breathe. surprising. It's surprising. <laughs> It's like, oh, my sinuses are now open. <laughs> yeah, the the rice that my mom would make most often um, when we were doing Indian food growing up uh, also has whole cloves, 
cinnamon sticks and whole peppercorns in it. And that's really good too. And you can just add some of those to this recipe when you add the bay leaves and the cardamom pods. I, I didn't put that in because, you know, that's just more, more teeny spices for mm-hmm. people to watch out for if they're not used to, they're not used to whole peppercorns right. hiding in their food. And that might be a little tricky. Right. So, and then with that, we, um, we recommend mango lassi. Mm. Which is, uh, this is a dessert? The dessert? No, course? no, it's no. Not. It's a drink. It is. Oh, that's um, right. I've heard of this. Yeah, before. it's a mango and yogurt, mm-hmm. basically sweetened and thinned out a little. You just make it in a blender right before you serve it. It's kind of hmm, like a mango milkshake or a mango yeah. slushy or yeah, mango milkshake. Yeah. There's there's ice in it, but it's just a creamy, yeah. creamy. Yeah, mango milkshake. That's probably yeah, pretty close. Yeah, you serve this with the dinner, or would you it be before this with, dinner? You serve this with the dinner, just with the dinner. A lot of Indian restaurants will have mango lassi on their menu because it's really popular. It's really good. I would serve it with any Indian dinner. Um, sometimes I have to serve it with any Indian dinner because people expect it. And they, <laughs> people who will they, remain unnamed. <laughs> they speak to me about it if they show up and there's no mango lassi. <laughs> But the yogurt is nice to have with that too, because it yeah. cools, uh, mm-hmm. it cools your mouth if you're having a spicy curry. It does. It does. The dairy in Indian food is really good at cooling. So a lot of Indian recipes actually have yogurt in them or a little bit of cream and that helps to it tame the chilies. The spice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things don't have to be hot. If you don't want them hot, you just put in, put in less hot chili. If you want them really hot, put in more. Oh. Lisa puts in more. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on who I'm serving. If I'm making a curry for my brother, I put in unbelievable amounts of hot Indian chili. He can handle whatever you throw at him. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. If he doesn't add extra pepper to it when he's eating it, I know I've, I know I've achieved. (laughs) You've made your goal. Yeah. Um, And then as a dessert for the North Indian dinner, I would do kheer, which is a rice pudding that is flavored with rose water and cardamom. And it is my favorite food in the whole world. Sounds delicious. It is good. It is not rice pudding. Like you'd think it's not the gloppy stuff and there's Mm -hmm. no raisins. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a chilled, like a chilled soup sort of. It's, it's a thinner consistency. Okay. Yeah. Where do you buy rose water? Let's see, where all is it available? You know, a lot of grocery stores have it. International grocery stores would definitely have it. I'm trying to think where. It seems like one time I saw it in a health food store at some point in life. Yeah, locally they have it at the co-op and they have it at the little international grocery store on 6th Street. Um, And they have it at the Pacific Northwest Halal Meats in Pullman. And I'm not sure if any of the regular grocery stores here carry it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's, that's it's lots, of, fairly, lots of choices. Yes, yeah, fairly easy to find. Same thing with, say, um, cardamom pods and things yeah. like that. Where would you find those unique ingredients? An international grocery store? Would you have to order them online? Um, cardamom pods, no. I just get them from the bulk section at the co-op. They carry Frontier Organic bulk spices. And Rosars carries that same uh, brand of bulk spices. Uh, Rosars and the co-op have different selection of things. So if you can't find it one place, it's probably at the other, but yeah, Indian cuisine does use a lot of spices. Um, and I always, I always buy from the bulk section because 
I don't, I don't like to pay for the glass jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the glass jars, the teensy amounts are usually so expensive. Right, right. Um, and I do like Frontier Organics as a spice brand. It's really good quality, has a lot of flavor. Um, so if you're looking, if you live somewhere not in our area, I would, I would look for those. A lot of, a lot of places like, you know, your food co-op, your health food store might mm-hmm. stock those or, or a Rosars if you have a Rosars near you. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And then the, the things that are a little harder to find, I do get online sometimes. Yeah. Like curry leaves, fresh curry leaves are hard to come by. Now, where do you order those? I order those from Amazon. Sometimes you can find them in town, like the the Halal Meats place in Pullman has them sometimes, but you have to know when they've had a delivery. If you follow them on Facebook, they'll tell you when they've got fresh fruits and vegetables in and you can go look. So I have seen fresh curry leaves there before, but usually I just get them from Amazon. Don't get dried curry leaves. Uh, They have no flavor at all. They taste like dust. Good tip. Um, yeah, so I would you, never have thought that. I would have thought dried curry leaves would be the way to go because they would be lasting longer. No. So I get fresh curry leaves and then I just wash them and put them in a freezer bag and they will, they will last for months and months in the freezer. And I just take out however many I need um, when I'm ready to cook with them. Do you defrost them first or just throw nope. them into whatever nope. you're cooking? Yeah, with? I just throw them into whatever I'm cooking. And I do usually chop them up. Recipes may or may not call for that a lot of times recipes i'll just have you put them in whole um, i find they're a little hard to chew when they're whole because they're super thin and your teeth can't get a grip on them um, so i just chop them up i love the flavor and it it just adds more flavor when they're all chopped up with the other herbs so okay well that's a good tip as well in case your recipe calls for it yeah and if you're if you're going that route don't order them now yeah. Um, they'll die in the mail on the way in the summer. So you have to order them in the wintertime. Yeah. Here in Idaho, I order them like October to April when it's going to be fairly cool. And if it is October or April, I do watch for them in the mail and take them out of the mailbox right away and open them up so they're not steaming themselves. Mm-hmm. So I stock up before summer comes. That makes um, sense. Yeah. I did actually. I was a little low on curry leaves and my main supplier had been out of them. So I ordered some curry leaves this week and they came this morning and about a third of them didn't make it, but I expected that. So, yes. and you yeah. were a little desperate. You needed some, so it was worth Oh, I don't want to run out. I don't want to run out. Like <laughs> I know, I know, I don't know how many of these are going to die, but I know some of these are going to die. Even if I get them out of the mailbox right yes. away. Yes. I think I have gotten them from Halal Meats before, too. Yeah, yeah they, so, they have them sometimes. Yeah, and that's a fun store to wander just for seeing what's there. Well, There's a good selection. What is it beside, besides meats? There's not actually a lot of meat there. They have a couple of refrigerators. They're yeah. a little. <laughs> there's the goat freezer yeah, there's and there's the chicken Scary freezer. contents. <laughs> okay. Tell me, what does halal mean? Is that, in, is it an Indian grocery store? No, I think that's an Islam. Yeah. Thing. The, I think there's a, was it Noon, the character on the door? I think it's an Arabic character that's on the door. Um, so yeah, probably more Middle Eastern. Yeah. I, I think halal is like the Islamic version of kosher. Okay. So it's, it's prepared in a certain way so that it's okay for um, Muslims to eat. Okay. That's what it is. But it's it's an international grocery store, and they do have a lot of Indian ingredients, too. I bet so. there are a lot of fascinating foods in there, things there, I have never seen. There are a lot of fascinating foods. We've, we've tried out some new <laughs> things from there, and some of them were good, and some of them were... 
<laughs> shall we t- shall we tell her about the Tide Pods? Yes, yeah, you can. Did you <laughs> Go do ahead. the Tide Pod challenge? No, no. I'm kidding. I know you didn't. No. So, um, there's this canned dessert called Pethra cubes. We're like, what is that? So we got a can. We're like, we'll try it. Um, okay, pods in a can. And and I looked it up, and it's like some sort of white pumpkin gourd thing it's a it's a vegetable and it's you know it's cubed in the sugar syrup like okay we can we can try this so we open it up and this was it was shortly after i'd had covid and my sense of smell had come back a little wrong (laughs) and i open up the can like oh it smells like laundry detergent like what oh boy okay um it must be because my nose is wrong i'm just not gonna tell anybody else at this dinner that it smells like laundry detergent to me well it says you're supposed to serve it warm right so i put it in a dish i heat it up in the microwave open the microwave like wow really (laughs) smells like laundry detergent to me um people start tasting it and they're like Tastes. I mean, smells like laundry detergent. Tastes kind of like laundry detergent. What? <laughs> what is this? It wasn't just my nose. Um, or it was everyone's so nose. It was, it was during COVID, was, maybe. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's nose, everyone's taste buds. So we just, they were, you know, they were little like one inch square cubes of the gourd. I thought it was going to be like some confection or something made out of mm-hmm. this gourd. But no, it was like you could tell it had some they little looked, fibers. Like it looked and, like laundry soap. In it syrup was, they or were kind of like a clearish, sort of a white, translucent white color. And yeah, in the syrup, and yeah, it, just we just they we mislabeled just, the can. No, no, they didn't mislabel the can. It was it was actually a food, it but we just actually nick- tasted like yeah. We just dirty. nicknamed them like Tide Pod cubes. <laughs> That's hideous. So I love trying new foods because sometimes you discover amazing things like curry leaves, which are one of my favorite flavors. Sure. But also sometimes you wind up eating like the little Tide Pod cubes. Yes. So. And it's interesting to think that somewhere on, in somewhere in the world that somebody's favorite food, you know, like they grew up with it, yeah. it tastes they, they love. Yeah, and like durian, <laughs> which is not Indian. Still trying to get Lindsay to taste that. What is it called? Durian. It's the world's smelliest fruit. They don't eat this in India. This is like an Indonesian, Asian thing. What kind of food is it? It's a fruit. It smells really bad and tastes really bad. I think it tastes like, hmm, kind of like diesel fuel with hints of sewage. So <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay won't try it, but How she smelled it. Did anyone ever come up with this as a food? Like, who I was the know. first person that decided, hmm, smell, smell? I'll taste that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But my brother lives in Indonesia. He says it's really popular. It's very expensive. But people, really? people go out of their way to pay a lot of money to eat that. That is so interesting. Mm. Wow. I refuse. Yeah, she, she After smelling it, you're like, I'm dead. Oh, even before I smelled it. I... Yeah. On principle, she won't do it. <laughs> it's so interesting that so, that they think it's a, or, you know, like a gourmet type food, that they'll pay a lot of money for it in Indonesia. Yeah. They say it's an acquired taste and that each time you have it, it tastes a little less bad. So I've had it twice now, so I probably should stop. <laughs> You know, by 10 or 20, it'll taste sweet or something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. <laughs> maybe, or maybe it just fries your taste buds, you know, to where you can't taste it anymore. Well, that could be. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> All right. So on to your southern menu. You've told us a northern Indian menu. Tell us what you would 
cook from the Southern Indian realm. Okay, so for the Southern Indian, I would do the same rice that I talked about and the the mango lassi. Um, but then one of my favorite Southern Indian chicken curries is this chicken with red chilies and coconut milk. Um, and see, that doesn't have curry leaves in it. Um, do you want to talk about this one? You've made this one a lot. Yeah, this is one of one of our favorites. And this one's actually a little more summery, I think. It's kind of spicy, tangy, vinegary. Coconut yeah. milky. Yes, <laughs> coconut milk, red chilies, red onions, I think. Yeah, just a little more tangy, I guess, than creamy. Yeah, this one, it doesn't have any any spices that would be hard to find, like salt, turmeric, chilies. It's basically it on some cilantro. Um, so it's, it's a really easy curry to make. Yeah. Um, and then I would do a radish rata with this and that, um, it's a yogurt that has chopped fresh radish stirred into it. And then it also has, it's got curry leaves and mustard seeds. Um, and they do, you do a very, a very classic Southern Indian thing. You get a little bit of oil going in a frying pan. You throw the mustard seeds in until they start to pop like well, kind of like popcorn, except they will pop way out of the pan. Mm-hmm. If you don't watch this, you got to cover it a little. <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to be chasing mustard seeds all over the kitchen. Right. Oily yeah, mustard you seeds. You will. You will. <laughs> yeah. And then you just throw the curry leaves in and pour that into your yogurt and stir it in. And it's delicious. It's Yeah. And it's a nice, it's a nice cooling complement to the curry, which you can make spicy or mild. This all sounds so amazing and just like an explosion of flavors, mm-hmm. things I've never tasted before. Mm-hmm. Sounds so interesting. And then for a vegetable, I've just got uh, fresh green beans sauteed with uh, red onions. It's a, a nice basic vegetable dish. And then as a dessert, I would do mango kulfi. Kulfi is uh, Indian ice cream. You want to talk about mango coffee? <laughs> I cried Tell the first Lindsay. time I tried that. <laughs> Literal <laughs> tears yes. came and into your eyes. Lindsay, Lindsay doesn't cry. So. No. Was this the heat or because it was no, so amazing? No, it was so good. I just, I didn't, it caught me off guard and I, I love ice cream. Who doesn't? Right. But um, it's made with half and half, I think, or heavy cream. And so it's just a much thicker, creamier consistency. So it's like ice cream, but stepped up several notches and with mango, which is unusual. So it's just a sweet pleasant flavor, but yeah, it's really good. I brought some of that for you. So we'll be, we'll be trying yeah, that. We need to pause later. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if I'll be back. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of uh, <clears throat> determination to finish now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So the mango kulfi is made um, similar to how a lot of Indian desserts go, which is you start with dairy and you cook it for a long time until it reduces and thickens. Um, the kheer, the rice pudding that I mentioned earlier is made in a similar way. You take rice that you've just boiled for like five minutes. So it's partway cooked and you bring a whole bunch of whole milk to a boil, add the rice, and then you just simmer it for like 45 minutes to an hour until it thickens up a little. Um, so to make the kulfi, you do a similar thing. You take heavy cream and a little bit of, a little bit of half and half. I think might be milk. Need to look at the recipe. <laughs> and you you just cook that and you cook it and you cook it and you cook it for an hour and a half or so and you stir it occasionally so it doesn't stick to the bottom. And eventually it goes from being a liquid to looking like a pudding. 
Okay. It's like like you're making vanilla pudding, except yeah. it is just cream and more cream. And um, Yum. then you put in canned mango and some sugar. Cook it for a few more minutes until the sugar dissolves. And that is your base. And you just put it in little cups and freeze it. And the canned mango you can find at the grocery store? The regular canned, grocery store? The canned mango you might need to go to an international grocery store okay. um, to find. Yeah, they, if you're in a big city and you have a really good grocery store, they might have it. But mm-hmm. um, around here, you got to go to the Taj Grocery or the Halal Meats place in Pullman okay. to find the canned mango. And the Taj only has it sometimes. Well, that's yeah. a great dessert to have on your menu because you can make that ahead yep. and it's not a part yes, of your, you can. the day, the prep on the day of right. inviting right. people over. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. The lamb curry and the sog can both be made a day ahead as well. Um, those are fine. Just reheated. What about your other dessert? Was it something that you need to make the, the day of? Uh, the kheer. Mm-hmm. I would make that the day before. Because, oh. yeah, once once it's cooked, you want to put it in the fridge and let it chill very mm-hmm. thoroughly before okay. you serve it. So, yeah, you, yeah, you should make that the day before. That actually yeah, is, so, is helpful because then, you know, because there's always things to do the day of if you're inviting guests over. So having some things that actually need to be make it, made ahead of time right. forces you to have half your menu done. Right. So, yeah, that, that North Indian menu, you can make almost everything the day before. I would just make the rice and the mango lassi right before you're ready to serve dinner. Built-in time saver for Indian food. There's a lot of things yep. you can make early. Yep. So yeah, last last week, Lindsay and I did a really, really big Indian feast. And I did make uh, most things ahead of time, actually. Yeah, I can't remember if I made that reta that morning or the day before. Yeah, I think the, I made it that morning. Yeah, the reta you can make in the morning and serve it in the evening. It'll it'll keep all day. It won't, it won't go sad. It won't go sad. Do you put it in the refrigerator? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You put okay. it in the fridge. Put it in the fridge and then pull it <laughs> yeah. back out. Yep. Okay, I'm going to have to publish all of these recipes so that we can recreate them. Yep. Look on comeoverfordinner.com. There's a recipes page. It will have her name, well, both of their names, Lisa and Lindsay, along with their recipes so that we can try this at home. This is going to be a really fun thing to do this summer. What about prepping? Do you have, I know you've mentioned lots of grocery stores, so thinking ahead of time for through your list of ingredients is key for, for creating an Indian menu, sounds like. Do you have any other prep tips that either one of you would suggest? I think it depends on the recipe. A lot of these, the the actual curries, call for things like garlic paste or ginger paste or a masala, which is like a spice seasoning blend. And those are separate recipes in the 660 Curries book and can be made ahead of time. So that's one of the things that trips me up sometimes in picking a curry is like, well, I want it tonight and I'm not making ginger paste this afternoon. So that eliminates that one. So, um, you can save yourself a lot of time if you have ginger paste on hand and you can freeze it in ice cube trays and just have it in the freezer ready to go. And then the same with the masala, you could buy that at a store or you can make it ahead of time. So when I'm cooking out of the 660 curries and it calls for ginger paste, I just take fresh ginger and I grate it on a microplane. So, or you can I do that. Yeah. <laughs> and garlic paste, I take my cloves of garlic and I put them in a garlic press. 
And so I don't, I don't follow, yeah, I don't follow the recipes for, yeah, it's just, it's just garlic turned into a paste, which I use my garlic press for that. And the ginger, I make a paste with my microplane. So I don't, I don't bother following a recipe to do it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's easy. And then like you say, freezing it in ice cube trays. mm -hmm. I mean, how easy is that? Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, I guess if you want to do one of the, one of the masalas, you would want to either make that ahead of time or just just do a little bit, like look at the spices and kind of guess at amounts yeah. is what I often do. If I'm just making a recipe on the fly, I'm like, what percentage, what percentage <laughs> of this masala recipe is the peppercorns and what percentage is the cumin seeds and how many of those do I need for the amount I'm trying to make? Um, so sometimes I'll make a little batch of the masala ahead of time. And usually I just, I just wing it and estimate. So. <laughs> turns out a little different every time yeah 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 but you know i can i can totally see that just being mm-hmm. able to est- you know estimate and kind of go by taste right is, right it probably comes with having cooked indian for so long as well you're probably really good at knowing what it's supposed to taste like well yeah and you know if you have a little more cumin or a little less cumin it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a big deal so. right not yeah. a right or a wrong necessarily nope. yeah and the nice thing with Indian is most people don't know what it's supposed to taste like anyway. So if it's a little off, just don't it's, say anything. That's <laughs> it's true. true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. So when you have people over, what is your best advice for showing warm hospitality to those coming into your home? How do you make them feel welcome? Um, my best advice is don't let yourself get stressed out about making everything be perfect. If you're inviting people over, you're wanting to share, you know, you're wanting to share fellowship and that's, that's the most important thing. So like if you're, if you're rejoicing, people are going to have a good time, whether, you know, whether, whether the bunt cake blows up in the oven or not. Um, that's the thing that happened once. (laughs) Is this a personal experience story we all need to hear? This is a personal experience story. I wasn't, I wasn't having anyone over for dinner. This was when I was 16 and I was trying to learn how to cook for the first time. And I made a bunt cake that kept rising and rising and did, did the full on, you know, like, volcano lava science experiment thing over the edges of the bunt pan and it was flowing into the bottom of the oven oh, and no we eventually just gave up my mother and i we pulled it out of there i'm not sure what went wrong um there there were a lot of experiences like that my first few years of cooking especially but i you know i've had i've had total flops on food when i was inviting people over and it it Really, it doesn't matter all that much if if you don't get stressed out about it. People aren't they aren't gonna care. They might not even know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, one of the things I noticed uh, just the last weekend when we did uh, the party together was Lisa made an Indian. I don't know if it was Indian, a cocktail early yeah, that on. That was that was very a very Indian cocktail. Okay, yes, um, and then some appetizers, and we had a group of people that I'm not sure everyone knew each other. And so once the food and the drinks came out, it very quickly, it just helped people start talking and there was something to talk about. And that was a different drink. So the drink was the thing to talk about. <laughs> it's um, Nimbu Pani. Yes. And I it was like a limeade the kind of thing. for that too. Yeah. It's, it's lime juice, fresh squeezed and club soda, salt and pepper. You had me before pepper. <laughs> <laughs> 
that was my what? that was my initial reaction to, but it was quite good. I showed her. I was like, I think I'm gonna make this. And she's like, I don't want to drink a drink with pepper in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a classic. Speaking of it's a conversation a starter, yes. Drink. Is it super refreshing on a hot day? Okay. Or with hot food. Um, and you can make it alcoholic by putting in, you know, like a shot of gin or a shot of vodka for mm-hmm. each serving. Um, or you can just drink it as the as the kind of limeade. I wasn't sure about it either. It's like, I'm going to test this out on myself and see if it's okay. It's really good. It's so it's refreshing. The salt makes it sweeter. Mm-hmm. And the pepper, like you don't notice the pepper like you think you would. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, adds a little heat in the background maybe. Yeah, it's more it's more flavor than okay. heat. It does. It's not a spicy drink. Okay, not at all. And I love gin, but I actually liked the drink better with vodka. Okay, for the alcoholic version because it just left you with the clean, refreshing lime flavor. That was very good. Okay, we yeah. have to post this recipe <laughs> okay. as okay. well. This is worth trying. Yeah. But the takeaway from that was that if you have something ready to go, it doesn't have to be the main course, right. but just something ready to go. It just helps people to get started, have something to talk about and bring them together over something. Yes. Great. Great tips. And that, that was a good one to have because yeah, we basically handed people cocktails as soon as they came in and then we had an appetizer right after that. And that helps because it actually took me way longer to get uh, the main course on the table than I thought we sat down like 45 minutes later than I planned, Mm -hmm. but I don't think anybody was starving because we, we we just stuffed them, kept shuttling out appetizers. (laughs) Well, they probably thought that was part of the whole feast, you Uh know, like it didn't, they would never know that you were behind schedule. They're getting drinks and appetizers. It's like this long, more like several courses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's really fun. So what is your must-have kitchen item? Um, that is a toss-up between my chef's knife and my food processor. Because you use both of these a lot, I guess, in your Indian curries. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I recommend having a good quality chef's knife and keeping it sharp. That was revolutionary for me as, as a teenager teaching myself how to cook. I saved up. I got myself the Vustoff Classic knife block set was four hundred dollars at the time I back never, in like, the day now yeah, it's back probably in, back in the day it's probably six or seven hundred now right. for the same with inflation we're gonna look it up and wish we could pay four hundred dollars yeah but yeah I, you know i was i worked in the summer i made like five dollars an hour and so to spend 400 bucks on something was, that yeah. was an enormous expense but, but a treasure i mean something you're still using today oh yeah so i bought it and i was like man why have i been just drooling over this at Williams Sonoma for years and I didn't buy it till now. Mm-hmm. Um, it made such a difference in all my cooking to have sharp knives and I have a good knife sharpener. Um, Do you have one you'd recommend a certain brand? Yeah, it's a Trizor um, diamond knife sharpener. Um, Is it electric can, or do it's you? It's electric. Do you mean yeah, it? it's um, America's Test Kitchen's top recommend I'm not usually a sucker for infomercials, but I, I ran into their advertisement for this and I was like, I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to save up. It was, it, it's expensive. It's like, uh-huh. It was like $150. Well, they tested um, everyone out there. Yeah. Yeah. So a I, large majority. <laughs> so I guess they'd be a, it'd be a pretty safe bet that whatever they recommended is probably pretty good. Yeah. So I had, I had to wait until Christmas and I collected all my Christmas money and I bought that. Um, it, uh, will re-angle your knives to a 15 degree 
instead of a 20 degree on mm. angle on your blade. Um, so it basically it will turn any knife into like a Japanese, a Japanese edge on because um, they usually have a 15 degree angle on their edge. So it makes them it makes them really sharp. Like when I when I resharpen my chef's knife, I can just hold up a sheet of paper and whoo, saber right through it. <laughs> this is why she wanted it, guys. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> She's over there karate chopping things. Yeah, but realistically, <laughs> having sharp knives saves you so much time in the kitchen. Um, when true. I'm when I'm traveling or cooking somewhere else, and I have to use a knife that is dull, it takes so long. You can't get a to fine chop, chop things up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't. You, it's really hard to get a fine chop. Um, and the and, knife is slipperier, like on an onion or something. Yeah, you have more chance of getting your finger. Yeah, most of the times I've cut myself, it's because I was using a knife that needed sharpening and it slipped on the food I was trying to cut. So, yeah, yeah, you will still cut yourself with sharp knives sometimes, but it's there's less there's less chance there's less chance because your knife won't slip as much if it's sharp. Okay, so you said sharp knife, mm-hmm. sharpener, and what was the other thing? Food processor. Food processor. I use my food processor most days. Some days for two or three different things. I I don't know. I don't know how to live without a food processor. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Which one do you like to use? Uh, mine's a Cuisinart. Um, so a lot of recipes will call for you to put things in a blender, but they're things that aren't liquid. And a blender won't do a great job of that. A food mm-hmm. processor can turn stuff into into a paste or a really fine chop really fast. So I have a blender. I use it mostly for making mango lassi and not much else. The food processor gets used all the time. What about you, Lindsay? Do you have a favorite kitchen item when you a must recommend? For Indian, probably um, a food processor or blender. I, I don't have a food processor. I just use a blender and then a coffee grinder or spice grinder. So I have a, I just have a cheap coffee grinder from Walmart that I use for grinding up spices for making garam masala, that kind of thing. Do you clean it out between each spice or just kind of wipe it out or how do you use it? Yeah, I try to, I try to wipe it out, but it's not, you can't really get it clean enough that you could then use it for coffee um, without having some interestingly yeah, flavored a- coffee. Yeah, you after flavor. <laughs> yes, so it's just I just use it for spices and I use it for Indian so I don't really It's your specific Indian spice grinder. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah if you're going to if you're going to have a coffee grinder and a spice grinder, you need you need them to be two separate things. You don't want to grind. Otherwise yeah. your morning yeah. coffee might your really morning, pick yeah, you up. like cumin and turmeric flavored <laughs> coffee. It's great. Not <laughs> what you're looking for when you're bleary no. eyed. And I have I have a mortar and pestle that I use as my spice grinder a lot too. Do you have a yeah. specific one that you like or any any works? Um, any anything that's heavy enough. Um, mine mine is pretty small because I'm not doing big batches of anything. I don't remember where I got it. Or what kind it is, but yeah. Becky Pliego was just on the podcast, and oh, she yeah. recommended one made out of volcanic stone. Okay, mm. mine mine is probably volcanic stone. It looks it looks like it to me. It's some kind of stone. It's not a ceramic one. I don't recommend ceramic ones. I had one before, and they're just they just won't grip the spices and grind okay. them up as well. Well, that's so a yeah. Good I tip. would definitely go for a stone one. Okay. So something that's a real stone, yeah. whether it's volcanic or not. She yeah. she was recommending the volcanic as being one that was a high quality. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> I feel like now I'd like to own something made out of volcanic uh-huh. stone. <laughs> like it just sounds really cool. What about a story? Do either of you have a funny 
or horror story from inviting people over? I know you've already mentioned, Lisa, you're exploding. Well, and that, and that was super low key because no one was coming over. I was just trying to <laughs> learn how to make cake. <laughs> try, try again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I w- if you don't know how to cook very well, I just keep, just keep trying. Uh, I love to cook. I love food. I've always loved food and I've always loved the idea of cooking. I didn't start learning to cook until I was 16. My mom broke her hand in a car accident right at the beginning of the summer. Um, we had just moved here to Idaho, so I didn't have a summer job. I didn't have anything to do. I was like, well, I will learn how to cook. That's what I'll do. We have, we have a great church and they provided meals for us, lunch and dinner every day for a week. And they were going to do it for six weeks, 10 weeks, however long it took for my mom's hand to heal. But at the end of the first week, I was like, I just, I just decided it was time. Like, I'm going to step up. I'm going to make dinner for us every night. And (laughs) family. How, okay. First of all, how big was your family? How many people were you? Just four of us. So my mom and dad and my brother and me. Um, and I had just turned 16. I had no clue what I was doing in the kitchen at all. My mom, she, she always made really good food for us, really healthy food. She liked, we all, we all like to try new foods, but, uh, she just, she just never has loved the actual process of cooking. So I just wound up teaching myself and my mom, you know, she helped me out. Like, I'm like, mom, how do I chop an onion? I don't know. Mom, this recipe says medium low, but our, our, burners go from one to eight. Which one of those numbers is medium low? (laughs) Mom, it says wash rice. How do I wash rice? (laughs) What a great introduction into the world of cooking though, because she was there able to yeah, so she, she would, she would and just sit take and, over. and answer a different question about every 30 seconds. And it would take me like two hours to make a basic stir fry, maybe a little longer than that. Uh, if you're in that position, I recommend Helen Chen's Chinese Home Cooking. That was one of the two cookbooks that I owned at that time. And that was the one that helped us survive through that summer. Uh, Stir fry is really easy to make when you don't know what you're doing. You can still wind up with (laughs) With edible food. food. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the first two years of me cooking regularly for the family were really rough. And I would say it was five years of cooking dinner like three to five nights a week before it was consistently decent. So, and now I just, I love to cook. I cook all the time. I have people over as often as I can, or I go over to Lindsay's house and we have people over there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, if, yeah, if that's you, just, just keep at it. Yeah. And with hospitality too, it gets easier with practice. Mm -hmm. That is, that is the truth. What about you, Lindsay? Uh, we lost a couple two-year-olds one time briefly. That was, it wasn't a horror story. It was funny. I had had. <laughs> what do you mean you lost them? <laughs> well, I'm I, guessing let, they were I will explain to you. <laughs> so I had two young families over and each one had a two-year-old and then a little, little baby. And the two-year-olds finished dinner way before we did because they had their two, you know, cursory bites and then headed <laughs> off to play. And so they were in and out of the kitchen and in and out of the living room and they had gone into the kitchen and all of us simultaneously heard, I don't remember what we heard. It was just some sound. And we were like, that, that doesn't sound right. 
So we all got up quickly and went into the kitchen and there was no one in sight. And I like they could have gone upstairs into the bathroom or out the back door. And I knew that they hadn't done any of those things. I, I just knew. And I was like, they're in this kitchen, but there was nowhere for them to be in the kitchen. And we were just standing there like, where did they go? And it was silent. You couldn't hear anything. <laughs> and on a whim, I opened the dryer. And sure enough, there's two two-year-olds just <gasps> lying along the bottom of the dryer on their backs, just next to each other with their little sippy cups in their arms. And I opened it up and they just looked up and smiling. And <laughs> they were just sitting in the dryer. <laughs> wow. <Okay. laughs> so I thought that was cute. <laughs> Meanwhile, the parents' hearts had to stop. Yes. So fast. Yeah. I'm sure it was only about 20 <laughs> seconds, but they're like, where did they go? There's nowhere for them to have gone. Wow. They were in the dryer. <laughs> that, leave it to two year olds. Yes. Great. <laughs> but for you to just kind of sit there and play detective and figure it all out in your mind and just know, go open the dryer. That's yeah. pretty fascinating as well. <laughs> Cause it sounds like they hid pretty well. They did. The door to be shut and everything. It was, it was set to it wasn't shut so okay. it just kind of falls <laughs> it falls true. closed it like by itself magnetic yeah holder yeah that's pretty great <laughs> well thank you all so much for coming here today and telling us all about indian food it is just fascinating and nothing like it is on the podcast website <laughs> so this is your chance gals and guys <laughs> head over there for some recipes and do some experimenting this summer All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Until next time. Bye for now.